Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over a hundred casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. Eighteen plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha! In my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me. What's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring.、A、laundry. Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah,、oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over a hundred casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. Eighteen plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Behind women's cricket chat, that's Georgie, Cassie, Mahika, and Alex. Coming up on today's podcast. Hello and welcome to this episode of Women's Cricket Chat. Today it's me, Georgie Heath, and I am joined by the wonderful ray of sunshine that is Jenny Thompson. And for those of you who don't know, Jenny is an ex Crick Info journalist who decided that staying in one place is just no fun and is currently travelling the world, playing, discovering, talking. All things women's cricket, and as someone who loves women's cricket, loves to travel. That is my dream. So, Jenny, welcome to the podcast. It's fabulous to have you, and I know where you're speaking to us from today. But just let our listeners know where you've come from, where you currently are, and where you're off to next. Thanks so much for having me, Georgie. Lovely to chat with you. I'm currently in my mum and dad's spare room in Manchester. And I've just come from Scotland, and I'm going to Corfu tomorrow.、Oh, this journey, I know Manchester doesn't sound like the most exotic of places that I've managed to pin you down, but we're in the same time zone, which doesn't normally happen. Tell us where this dream started from, and where was your location when you started? And we're like, right, I'm going off on this. This is what I want to do. What prompted it all? Okay, so the dream started as many things do at my desk. I was working for the government, and it was five years ago. And actually, at that point, I hadn't played cricket for about ten years. But I was thinking, wouldn't it be great to play cricket around the world? Why not? But then I thought, I'd need something else on top of that、um, because that's just my sort of makeup. And、um, I've always been interested in. Women's empowerment, especially for my Crick Info days, and I thought, oh, I know, I could talk with women about the challenges and barriers that they've overcome through playing cricket, 
around the world. We'll look at cricket in so many different locations and I'll play as well. Why not while I'm there? And so that had been the idea. And then I thought, well, I'd better still see if I can play. So two years ago, I started playing again. And then this year I thought, I've got to get on with it now. And 10 weeks after thinking I'll definitely do it, I was on a plane to Hong Kong on the 1st of April. And I'm, this is now 20 countries in. I also love that the 1st of April does sound like you really almost played a joke on yourself and were like, right, off I go, everyone. And I have this image that you're getting on the flight and trying to play a joke on everyone. But like, I'm off to travel the world and you're just going to like do a tour and come back the next day. Like, huh, fooled you. I know. I was wondering myself what kind of a big joke I might have got myself into. And I was extremely, extremely nervous when I got on the plane and I thought, what am I doing? This is the most bonkers thing ever. I'm about to go to Hong Kong to play with the Divas, the Filipina domestic helper team based in Hong Kong, who've set up a cricket team there. And then the next day I'm going to play a fair break against the World Eleven, And it all, more than a joke, actually, it all just seemed like a crazy, wild improbable dream that even me with my wild imagination couldn't have cooked up but there I was. And how did you go about getting in touch with all the different organizations and everyone to try and book these things in because I saw you pretty much right at the beginning of your journey at Fairbreak playing with the Divas and they're easy enough to get in touch with I guess but then you've set off around the rest of the world too. How have you managed to put all this in place? Um, well, it's a good question. So um, I have a friend, Alan Kerr, who's the head of operations at Japan Cricket. Now, Alan and I go way back to before he was even in cricket, and he's been with Japan a decade. I actually edited his book, Cricket on Everest, about his world record attempt to play the world's highest match in 2009. So I knew he loves a crazy Is cricket that a game idea. that Heather Knight was part of? It wasn't that one. Oh, no, okay. it was another one yes so um yeah so I just I I think at this point I was in two minds but I definitely wanted to be persuaded but I thought it's so outrageous even by my standards I know Alan will sort of back me so I rang him and he was like oh yeah this is like this sounds amazing you've got to do it and he obviously being in the East Asia Pacific region he had lots of contacts there so he said I'll put you into contact there and then gradually the words started getting out around the world and it turned out that boards and captains and players were and are approaching me to come and visit and get involved so that's been really wonderful but definitely Alan helped me set everything up in the first place. What was it like so I thought we'll sort of start at the beginning because you know there's a lot to get in here um I saw you at the Divas game and playing alongside mm -hmm. the Divas can you give a, our listeners a bit of a background on the Divas because I want to know all about sort of the different experiences of cricket in various places we know that Hong Kong has a cricket team and they're they're going along pretty well now but the Divas yes. are a very different kettle of fish aren't they yes absolutely so um how the Divas came about their captain Josie Treas she played softball for the Philippines and she was working in Hong Kong and she was playing club softball and she saw over the road 
some people in white holding square back, running back, running back. That's what she told me. And she said, I had to go and see what was going on. So next minute she was playing for Hong Kong Cricket Club. And um, one of the umpires in the league, Animesh Kulkarni, who's um, an Indian businessman who's been living in Hong Kong for 30 years, he got talking with Josie and he said, oh, you know, um, have you got any friends? And she said, yes, I've got 30. So um, suddenly they had a team, um, the Divas, and they're all Filipina domestic workers and now there are actually three teams in the division and the divas themselves have worked them their way up through the leagues they keep gaining promotion and now they're in the premier league but um you know cricket is really i mean we know this don't we what cricket can do for your life but really it's really you can just see it it's such a great community for everybody and it's a bit of a respite from one of the players, um, Joanne Badillo, she said to me, you know, well, she just loves cricket. She said, it's changed my life. And she said, you know, I've got children back in the Philippines and sometimes my work here is very, very tough. It's six days a week, long hours. She said, and, you know, you can get really consumed by that. And she said, but cricket just takes me away from that because I'm really focused on what kind of ball are they going to ball? Is it going to be a spin ball, the knuckleball? You know, she's 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 not been playing that long, only a few years, but she's really, really into it. And I think, you know, it's, it's such a challenging life when you're forced to register with the police when you arrive in Hong Kong. You're made to live with your employer. It's so intense. So to have um, a community on a Sunday doing something constructive that you can just get lost in, it's just so, so wonderful. But also what I love about the Divas is they also set up the Philippine women's team, which makes Josie Treyas the first domestic helper in the world to captain an international sports team. It's an absolutely wonderful story. And she's one of three grandmas in the team, which is just, you know, another layer of extraordinary. I know, right? I know. And um, also... The team have just got back from the Southeast Asia Games where they won two silver medals in their first ever appearance. So Josie has gone back to her home state of Bacalon and, you know, she's had a mayoral reception and she's really keen now, along with the Divas, to develop women's cricket further in the Philippines. When I got to the Philippines, I didn't even think there was going to be any, but I'll just tell you that um, I went to Manila and I went to a college there where, I mean, this sounds like a dream for a student. They've, yeah, so they've set up cricket there and Philippines Cricket Association come in and deliver cricket on a Tuesday instead of studying. And you get extra marks towards your year for playing cricket. What a dream. Oh, my goodness. I mean, I think I was the only person in my year that actually played cricket. I would have been top of the class just because I played cricket. That is an absolute dream. Imagine. Oh, Oh my god! I know. Okay, introduce this more places around the country, please, and the world. That's so, so cool, especially somewhere that you don't think of as a crickety place at, at all. all. And particularly, you know, in Manila, they told me that the problem there is the scorching sun, and it really does. You know, I've been a lot of places, but somehow that sun feels more intense. Yeah. So in Philippines is very very popular to play an indoor sport so basketball inside is you know it's the prevalent sport and to try and coax anybody out into the beating sun it's really hard but these teenagers who I saw playing they 
absolutely loved it. And they had this one, I think it was encapsulated by one player called Mian. And she's just, she's only been playing a few months, but she was diving everywhere, you know, sliding about, diving, diving, fielding. And she's got bruises everywhere. And she just said to me, she said, my bruises are my medals. And then I heard um, a fellow student, he just, you know, just looked at, over at her in, in admiration and he just went, woman of steel. Oh, love that. And all of that yeah. really is come about through the Divas as well and their introduction of cricket for women. Well, not specifically in that case. This was the Philippines Cricket Association and they were looking for a new ground and they identified essentially a sort of swampy jungle next to Emilio Aguinaldo College in Manila. And what happened was they approached the guy who runs the college and they said, we'd love to turn this into a cricket field. Now, the college isn't just a high school. it's um, It also delivers degrees. And there was a high number. There are a high number of Indian medical students. So the guy who runs the college, he thought, well, this would be a great idea to help my um, overseas students. But I love that now it's come to you know, the local population yeah. are really, really enjoying it. Because, you know, just to give you an example of the challenges there, I turned up on a Sunday and I came straight from the airport, but I missed some of, and, and these students, they were training on a Sunday. They'll just train whenever they can, as well as, you know, the Tuesday. So they all stay on after the term has ended. They, they're staying in cricket, which is great. But I missed some of them because um, the coach, um, who's he? He explained to me, he said, some of them have had to go. It was 3.30. I said, where have they gone? He said, they've got a curfew. I said, what curfew? And some suburbs have a child curfew. So they had to get going. And I was just like, that's so crazy. I mean, I met them all on the Tuesday. But, you know, it's um, it's a challenging place. But speaking of curfews, some of the divas told me that even on their Sunday, which is supposed to be a mandated 24 hours off. And even then, you know, it's, can you just do the laundry? Can you just make breakfast before you go to cricket from some of their employers? Ooh. Some of some have, and these are women who were married and they have children back in the Philippines. They have to have a curfew on a Sunday night of eight o'clock. It's just bonkers. It's, yeah. it's, it's just so bonkers. So, you know, something like cricket. I mean, it could be, to me, it could be any team sport or activity, but there's something special about cricket. I've, maybe it's the time you've got to chat with people. I don't know, but, you know, you, it, find yourself I just at, love that. you find yourself at square leg and you just chat to the umpire. That's what I love. Then yeah, you, and then you oh, miss thank the God she's gone to field somewhere else, probably. Like, yeah, shut her I up think so. five minutes. God, she's bowling, thank goodness. Um, and so from Hong Kong and the Divas, you went, where did you go? Oh, oh, actually, no, there was something I wanted to talk to you about. What was this post-match smoked fish tea that they drink after a game? Because that sounds foul. Oh, okay. It was more, um, it's not actually a drink. It's um, as in a cricket tea. So it's a piece. It's pieces of smoked fish. So... Don't stress unnecessarily. I was like, I, I think... had this image of sort of like fish heads in <laughs> liquid, and I was, I was not about that. I was just like, is this meant to be no. like, vitamins and like omega three? Is this going to be good for me? Will they let me give blood if I drink this? Ooh, no. there's okay, a limit. Good. 
there's a line and that would have been my, yeah, my so line. It's, well. it's not quite your scones with jam and cream. No, but I do like looking at what there is for tea wherever you go. So yes, oh my Singapore, goodness. Singapore is these amazing curry puffs. I've never had, you know, and they gave me the big build up and I'm like, you do know what you're doing, don't you? Because you're really talking these up and there were little egg sandwiches and stuff as well which is a is a proper staple and then these curry puffs came out and I said I have to come back just for the curry puffs and honestly <laughs> and then- I'm gonna need your rundown of the world of cricketers I need to make an article on this because I think this is fascinating because the Aussies whenever we ask them what's your favorite item at cricket tea they're always like we don't really have one because we don't really do it we bring a, a snack or like go home and have a bar a whatever barbecue when that's no, like that's the last reason people get involved in cricket is for the cake. Well, absolutely. I mean, you know, if you're not having cake, you're not having cricket, in my opinion. But what I really loved in Vietnam, it was so humid. And we were playing an evening match in a cage outside, which is completely random. So I loved it. So, you know, you don't really want a lot to eat afterwards. In fact, you just really want some hydration. But they had, they had jackfruit and it was just so delicious. I think I ate a whole one. So you moved on from Hong Kong. We're going. I'm going visually around the world with you. I'm going to have to put a map together. So you, you went from Hong Kong, and then was it Singapore and Kuala Lumpur? Was that next? No, I didn't particularly go in a geographically obvious way. I went to where people were, or tournaments were, or whatever. So it so happened that my old teammates from Cheshire were out in Thailand. So in Phuket having a holiday. So I said, hey, let's play beach cricket this weekend. So they said, okay. And it was, you know, such a change from back home and, you know, the days of skirts and horrible things like that. When, you know, a Komodo dragon and its owner sort of wandered through the pitch. There was a man fielding at mid-wicket, just lying down prone. And I thought, you're an intentional target. And then... um, a guy came to join us and he was called Antonio and he was from Rhodes and uh, he was good fun. And then afterwards he said to me, who's paying for this? And I said, oh, my, my, my tour. Oh, yes, I'm paying for all of it. And he goes, at least you're wasting your money on the right things. And I thought, you're right. You're right, Antonio. So <laughs> that was fun. And then from there, I went to Cambodia. And then and from there. Was, I went... So we know quite a lot about Thailand cricket and they've really been on the rise. Um, in the yeah, last years, yeah. what was, what's it like the cricket for girls out there? What kind of difficulties are they still facing? Because we saw them at the World Cup. I think it was the twenty twenty. You know, they were that that team that everyone just loved to watch, and they the smiliest team you've ever seen. Basically, what's it like out there cricket for girls? Well, it's on the rise, and there are um, women playing in the men's leagues, which I know can be controversial. I know it helps as long as I think you're playing enough women's and girls cricket as well but you know I think I mean you would have spoken to the players of Fairbreak you know they I think you did they are just being really positive and trying to push forward because really cricket was you know delayed in some ways for three years for them because of you know what happened but they're just they're just putting their heads down and trying to forget it and just pushing forward so you know and has it grown massively since they qualified for that world cup or is it um is there still quite a lot of 
barriers they face do they have to is it you know to do with other jobs or lack of funding or any of that kind of stuff I think mainly a big challenge that I'm just finding everywhere is the lack of visibility on you know how are you going to access watching cricket in a country where it's not traditional to play cricket you know wherever I I've been sort of not testing the water but wherever I go you just talk to the general public people in hotels drivers and saying you know I'm here for cricket do you know they play and there's just there's literally no awareness there's no visibility it's football 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 everywhere in Thailand so I'm I moved on to Malaysia eventually and they're they're saying they're just sort of circumventing that by they've instituted their own in-house tv production and they just stream that themselves you know japan do that finland do that there's you know that's just the way that that having to go and i think also i mean you'll be all over this but i think also these days the way people consume cricket unless it's something like the ashes or you know your big tournaments people just want little online clips anyway and just little highlight package so in some ways, you know, that might just be the way of the future, which suits the modern audience. And in regards to women's cricket, is it any different in those places or is it just cricket as a whole that they're not really consuming that much? Do you think the women have even more of a barrier to it? Well, funnily enough, in many of the countries where cricket is non-traditional as a sport, surpri- surprising, but actually when you think about it, it makes sense, um, advantage of that being the situation historically, is that there's no preconception of cricket as a men's sport. So it's seen as, you know, just as much for women as men. Yeah, I love that. And what kind of countries is that? I think that's pretty sure that's the case in, I know, Indonesia. There, it's very much the Yeah, yeah uh, Scandinavia, very much so, you know. And, well, basically any non-full member country pretty much um yeah png very much so you know that's uh that's a very interesting country and they're you know the women are 12 in the world there so they're doing a lot of good things and a lot of things right there and i actually i've spoken to kath hempenstall from we've had her on from png before so we'll come to them in just a minute but i wanted to talk to you about when you're in cambodia i think it was and they don't really have much domestic women's cricket and then i was reading your piece in the cricket paper and you caused some chaos in a restaurant with some cricket so could you tell our listeners about that one certainly can so um at the airport just arrived afternoon um the lucky driver was is called sarab and he's got a uh, very good english so i was teaching him some aussie phrases aussie 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 oi 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 and he was really getting into it but i was trying to explain what i was doing and he wasn't sure anyway he pulled us over at his friend's um restaurant and i got my cricket bat out of the bag to try and show him what i was what i'd been talking about and he said firstly he said ah can hong i said i'm sorry he said can hong i play that in my province of Preveng, which is five hours outside of Phnom Penh in the rice fields. I said, what do you mean? He said, yes, yes, it's it's um, our version of cricket. We have a metal pipe for a bat and a short piece of bamboo stick for a ball. And actually over there, rain starts play 
because that's when all the workers down tools. So that's when we take up cricket. And I was like, or Can Hong. And I said, that's very, very cool. So anyway, we, you know, got talking with his mate and all the staff. And um, by this time, my bat was out, you know. So if the bat comes out, the ball comes out. And they were all sort of looking at me like, what's going on? What is this? So I was like, right, well, you know, and then suddenly we we were all playing cricket. Luckily, there weren't too many customers and it was an open an open restaurant open onto the street sort of thing so you know no 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 smash windows but you know we had to sort of wait for a few cars to go by before we retrieved the ball a few times but everybody loved it um but again you know I was talking there about what are the main sports and um the girls who worked in the restaurant you know who were like 14 15 16 they all play football at school so you know I was like maybe maybe cricket because you know in all the countries the ones which are really getting that successful sustainably have all introduced cricket at schools at some point and why do you think it is it's taking them so long to get cricket what those kind of barriers in the way do you know I think it really just depends on who's gonna on who's a cricket champion so you know if you get expats coming or migrants coming into a country who are that passionate about it they're the ones who are going to introduce it so just to skip to Indonesia where the the captain Ni Wayang Saryani sorry she's a teacher so she, so she delivers cricket in school so she's getting it growing there and you know in Korea they've employed both the men's and the women's captain to help bring cricket into school and I think you know the fact that the kids can see and I I went into a school Gowon Elementary School and it was just wonderful to huge numbers of of about nine to ten year old kids just going so into cricket but I think the fact that you know you've got the national captains there in their national uniforms it it shows it's all about role models isn't it it's not just showing people cricket in schools it's like and then you could be this one day. And then on top of that, career has reinduced conscious for the first time since 2017. So, you know, again, that's a challenge in Korea because, you know, it there's so much pressure to get a good career and, a, well, a paying job might help. So, you know, if, if you can be a professional cricketer, that makes a massive difference. And I just want to say on that point, the other day when I, I came to the Oval to meet Adamesh from the Divas and uh, we thought it would be a nice backdrop to watch Australia and India at the World Test Championship, particularly because he wanted to wind me up because he thought India were going to win. But anyway, uh, we were sitting next to some teachers and they told me that they're phasing out rounders in England schools now for girls and bringing in cricket. And I hadn't heard that yet. And I got very excited. And I said, oh, and is that because it's seen as a viable pathway in a way that you can't be around as professional? And they said, yes. So, you know, you and I are maybe just a generation too early. I know, it does annoy me sometimes. Yeah, I look at it and I'm like, it's all amazing, but I'm also really jealous. But um, which countries have you found that it's sort of, stands in their way to play cricket because they are a woman well that's a yeah uh, that's a massive question um I think in some ways you could actually say in every country there's a barrier 
to being a woman for being in being a woman for whichever reason you know be it you're in a traditional cricket country so it's still not seen as a woman's sport or that perception is changing but ever so gradually or well I don't know I think actually the surprising one where you would think it would be a massive barrier but you, you know you've already talked to Kath is PNG because even though there are you know there are seven mothers in the team and the cultural expectation is for women to still do all the housework even if you're an international athlete and you're training five days a week but still doing all the housework often in a house of 20 family members and trying to look after your kids now you would think how is that actually a possible thing like there's no way you could do that but you know the saying it takes a village I think it, that was made for PNG because all the family members step in to help the players when they're on tour or you know sometimes they'll come home from training just too tired and people will help them out so you know people will look after their kids and you know that sort of thing so really for a situation where you think that should be impossible it's actually quite inspirational to have that number of mothers in a team I mean that's got to be some kind of record yeah and is it that 90% of the national women's team come from the same village they come from Hanawa Bada and Hanawa means village Bada means big but so obviously big village and it's a um I was invited to go it's uh, a fishing village on stilts with a road where everybody just grows up playing street cricket from dusk to dawn. And um, 90% of the women's international team come from this village. So they actually have a bus which comes to pick them up in the morning, takes them to training at Aminu Park and then drops them back. And 50% of the men, and when I was there, I was invited in by the captain, Kaya, Kaya Arua, and uh, I met her mum, Bonnie, and Bonnie's like, oh, you know, she's she's so laid back. She's like, these days I have to just be quite chilled out and look after Kaya's son and daughter when she goes on tour. And then Kaya said, oh, mum was PNG's first wicketkeeper. I said, don't oh, worry, you. Um, how was that for you? And she just changed. She got so animated. She was she, and she was quite aggressive in a um exciting, you know, enthusiastic way. She was like, yeah. We played Japan in our first series. We thrashed them 3-0. And I was a wicket keeper and I loved being aggressive behind the stumps and telling everyone where to go. But now I have to be a grandma. And I was like, in which of these countries is it paid as a profession? Because Well, it is in it is in PNG because one advantage of a country like PNG is they will receive the same amount of ICC funding as, let's say, Japan, let's say, Finland. But because PNG is a developing country, that money can go further. So the board can afford to pay all of the players. So, you know, they are professionals. There's not much sponsorship coming through. Cayman, actually, who helps the Falcons that, uh, fair break they're gonna get involved with some kit sponsorship I believe which would be much needed there from what I could see uh, and much appreciated but yeah the players are full-time professionals but as they say you know often they might be the only wage earner for a family of 20 so yes they're paid and comparatively well for PNG so 
PNG are full-time professionals and um, their funding for the board comes from, it's, it can often be the same funding as say Japan and Finland will get, but because PNG is a developing country, your money can go further for the same amount of funding. So the board can afford to pay its men and its women to be full-time professionals, which is great. But for say a PNG female pilot, often she might be the only wage earner in a family of 20. So while she may be paid comparatively well for PNG, the money is often run out by the end of the week. So, you know, that becomes a challenge. And in regards to, you know, a lot of places, historically, it's not really been the done thing for women to play cricket. Have you found that there's been anywhere that you've gone and it is still sort of frowned upon that women want to play cricket? I haven't experienced that myself and I haven't heard about that, but I don't know necessarily that I would, if you know what I mean, because people know the purpose of why I'm coming. So in a way, I am also meeting all the women who overcome any barriers to play. So, And um, what are, the, are there any that you've got particular stories that have stuck out? Working through my mental well, journey. Let me just work around the map in my head. Yes. Um, okay. I liked um, meeting an American uh, called Jeanette in Tokyo she's been a teacher over there for 20 odd years and she um, had turned up to watch her friend play and then the captain Erica Oda who is extraordinarily talented I managed to bat with her and honestly she is a phenomenal player uh, but she's also a phenomenal force of energy and inspiration and she sort of corralled Jeanette into playing and um, Jeanette told me that she prefers cricket to baseball because she likes playing 360 shots so she hadn't realized that you know such a sport as cricket existed and in fact when she first came to um, do a run she ran out to point because she was sort of running around the baseball diamond but you know uh, I love, I also love um, quirky things like that. So um, one player um, whose English is not her first language, um, an umpire asked her, what is your bowling action? And she said, right arm uh, normal, because she couldn't think of right arm over, and things like that. I, I just love, um, these are the little quirky details, which I love about how cricket is, around the world that you just you know when you're used to it in England or Australia or whatever it's so fun to hear all these other things and another player she was telling me the other day um she got out for zero but she described it as oh yeah and then I got ducked out and I thought oh, I'm using that I got ducked yeah. out it's so succinct I love that no, and then the nice. same player the same player told me that um their coach had been so thorough in explaining the rules to people who have got no perception of this sport whatsoever and he'd gone into minute detail about the laws that he was umpiring this game and it came to a situation where the player was that knowledgeable about the laws that she said oh yes that's 
um, that's obstructing the field so I can appeal. And I, think, I thought, that's quite esoteric knowledge of cricket. Never mind. That's pretty impressive. She said, so then I, she said, I turned to the umpire and then I went, and I didn't know what to do because he hadn't told us how to appeal. That's amazing. Oh, I love that because that's something that we just, I feel like I've known forever, you know. You grew up in England, you just know to say, how is that? that oh, that's fantastic. I love that. And um, how do you I feel, think, where do you think that cricket has had the most impact on people's lives? Of the places you've seen so far that you looked at cricket and been like, that is what's really changing their life? Well, Malaysia is a very, very interesting story. They've grown their staff from three to 40 in no time. They have this really long-term sustainable strategy that they showed me in this very detailed PowerPoint backed up with um, all the figures and all the um, notations that you could, the citations that you could check out the figures. And what they're doing is their plan is to really embed it in Malaysian culture. And they appreciate that that's going to take a long time. But um, at the moment, I think they've got about a 90% playing population of Malay, which is quite, you know, superficially unexpected, but that's that's been their plan. And they've started with bringing quick cricket into schools. And um, so, yeah, the thing about Malaysia cricket is what they're doing is they have funded scholarships for 268 students, boys and girls, from across the country. And if they want, they also provide full accommodation in a huge hostel which they showed me and full meals and it's all free and you know that's how you're gonna develop cricket over there and that is massively life-changing for not just you know your top tier of 20 to 30 players which is in itself be they men or women is you know a great and life-changing and a great thing but you know 10 times that number of people are being given opportunities in life and it may be that they carry on to play cricket but even if not they've got an education that they might not otherwise have had or the standard of it and you know that to me is something really really exceptional yeah and so we talk about you know cricket changing lives of people that you've met on your journey so far how have you found that this is impacted you this tour because obviously you know starting out in England and then lived in Australia was that you yeah how how has this changed you already yeah it really actually has so I've been living in Australia for the last 15 years in Adelaide which is just the most livable city ever it's beautiful I live by the beach I have you know a great community of friends from cricket and hockey Absolutely love it. The weather's great. Um, yeah, so then also I was working for the government for over a decade. So really, you know, this is absolutely comfortable life in Adelaide with nothing to worry about. But funnily enough, then I just sort of became overly worried about everything and a massive overthinker, probably because I had a lot of time. And then in 
in deciding to do this and putting it all together inside 10 weeks, that was like the real height of panic attacks, as you can imagine, because, you know, it was the fear of the unknown. It was such a massive undertaking. How is it going to be received? All the logistics, how am I going to get around, et cetera, et cetera. But it's very funny because as soon as I started doing it, I've never, never been more chilled out and relaxed in my mind in my life and you know my friend in Adelaide now she says it's weird isn't it that you're most calm in chaos and I was like yeah I mean it's controlled chaos but the thing the other thing you know which we all I, I knew this anyway but sometimes you need to be reminded of it and I think COVID reminded all of us of it is sometimes you just need to let go and stop trying to control everything and that way things flow they really do so initially I was very you know concerned to make sure I had 10 million things in place in every country before I went but you know even just going to Scotland this weekend I didn't really have much in place but you know stories just tumble out towards me somehow so you know I'm not I've I've basically just become much more chilled out and just uh, rolling with things and absolutely loving every single minute. And people keep saying to me, you must be absolutely exhausted. And I really, really, really am. But every day I'm more excited than I am exhausted. So I just, you know, roll through things, get on with things, happy and then just fall asleep. Well, I love that. And you've just sort of got that one, the only thing that, sticks with you the whole time is basically your cricket bat yeah that's like yeah, your one constant much. that's it yeah but it's very freeing I just really like it and also you know I just really love really love just getting out there and talking with people and finding out everything that's about them because really I'm you know I'm the person going around doing this but for me, the interesting thing is everybody's stories you know before I went I thought it would be a balance of it's really important to play and it's really important to talk with people but you know the the playing is just it's it's good and it's interesting and you know it, it's always fun but it's so much more than that and it's all 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 about the people and their stories and people are so generous with sharing their lives and you know really letting me in on what it means for them to play cricket why they play cricket it's all really really fascinating so the next thing for you, you're off to Greece? I'm off to Greece, yes. And what's women's cricket like in Greece? I'm not sure that it's um, that there's many, if any, but I'm going with my friend who um, she plays for the MCC. She's administered Cheshire cricket for a long time. So we're just really going to go and um, catch up and actually... I've been invited to play with the MCC in a few weeks, which is very, very exciting. So in some ways, we're just, you know, we're just going to go and check out probably men's cricket. I understand that if this is in Corfu, that there's a cricket ground in the middle of some shops and cars in the middle of a square. Sounds really fun. And then there's a match not there as well. So we'll just see what there is to find. And then um, I'm going to Wales just for a morning which is you know living in Australia is so bizarre for me that you can just nip across the borders yeah. to another country for half an hour these days 
But um, yeah, to play with one of my old Cheshire teammates, and um, yeah, I've already played in Wales back in the day, but that will be interesting. And I'm also going to Ireland, so I'm going to see. You're going to see Ireland the Aussies. Yeah, the Aussies playing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to see that, and also train at Malahide Malahide Cricket Club. And actually, just yesterday in Manchester, my friend from Belfast was over, and we went with her children to play sixes cricket the social sixes it was really fun she was really really good and how she said oh can I come to the training in Malahide and she said oh there's some cricket around the corner from me and I've seen that they're really really good so um yeah she she'll be joining me and I'm not necessarily saying she's going to take up cricket but at least you know to have that consideration it's uh it's really cool Oh, absolutely love that. I honestly just it just sounds such good fun. The, the temptation to just find my passport and book a flight when you head off somewhere is quite high and I'll just figure out the dog later. You never know how later on in the year you might just end up with a tag along and I'll just come with a camera and a microphone and we'll see what happens. But I honestly you're it's just such it's so cool to hear, you know, the idea that it's growing in all these different places around the world and especially what I love the most is the ones where it's you know, because it started out as a newer sport for everyone. It's not a men's sport. It's just a sport. That's, they're my favourite kind of things. Like I saw the Indonesian girls play at the Under-19 World Cup this year. And, you know, it's the first time Indonesia have been in a World Cup at all, men's or women's. And, and that was just really, really cool. And then when they won a game, was just even cooler. So it's, yeah, it's absolutely I love, I love seeing how much it's growing. I, the last things I'm going to have to ask you at some point about, you might have to text me about these ones, the different teas in different places around the world, because that's something I'm actually fascinated in. So maybe we'll get something written together about that another time, because I don't want to keep you forever. I'm aware you need to sleep and you've got to pack to go to Greece, which will probably be warmer than it is here, because I'm regretting wearing shorts today. But I, we always like to round off these interviews with some quick fire questions, you know, just standard ones. One of the first ones we always like to go with, actually, what is your favourite item at a cricket tea? Oh, right. It's going to be an egg sandwich. Nice. And not a curried egg sandwich, because I once had one of those by accident. Someone had put curry powder in the egg mayo, and it was horrendous. Yeah, that's good. No. But it can't be mayo. It's got to be salad cream. Yes. Okay, good. I'm so glad you agree with me, because people think that's weird when I say that. Egg salad cream sandwich, I'm with you on that one. Um, What's the best sledge you've ever used or heard that I don't have to be just trying to think of I'm trying to think of ones that uh can be said in polite company <laughs> oh I'm so oh, honored yeah. you think I'm polite company <laughs> maybe you're talking about my listeners uh, yeah, of course. Of course. um uh I don't really tend to sledge myself I just like to you know uh, use very positive language about how my team are doing. Yeah. Okay, okay. I'll believe that. I'm sure I'll believe that at some point. Mm. <laughs> um, what's the best place you've ever played cricket so far? That's too hard. I played at Fessels College in Edinburgh against Scotland many years ago and we won. And Wormsley was absolutely amazing when Crick Info were owned by um getty so mm. we got to play on their ground a few times and we got to go this is so exciting we got to go to the private library which has a 24-hour security 
attendant and he got out his like proper gloves and he went oh. in and showed us like, original, you know, pretty much Shakespeare portfolios and I was crying. Um, nice. Yeah, that was that was pretty cool. So, you know, a cricket ground with a super good library, you don't, you can't really get much better than that. I played at Adelaide Oval in a club final. That was pretty cool. But, you know, back in back in the day when I was playing county cricket, we didn't really get to play on mm. amazing ground. We spent a lot of time, actually, coming down to the Sussex coast. That seemed to be where the powerhouse of cricket administration was. And one of my favourite grounds to play, and this was one, we had county matches. I had an England under-17 match at Rosane School which um, it was like, it is, I'm pretty sure Mallory Towers was based on Rosine School. And um, so it's this beautiful old boarding school for girls on a on the cliff. And um, it's a sheer drop down. And even at, you know, rep cricket, the rule was if you hit it that way down the, um, down the coastal path, it was six and out because you could maybe hit a car or some people or some seagulls or something down on the road below. So six and out in rep cricket, brilliant, loved it. Yeah, very yeah. different. Um, and, and and the direction, you know, because it was all on a bit of printed paper and, uh, you know, it was like, if you're coming by private helicopter, oh in advance, helipad landing, if you're coming by yacht, get to Marina Berth, et cetera, et cetera. And we were like, if you're coming with a Rover 216, go and park three suburbs away. And That's hilarious. And um, <laughs> when you played for the Divas, who were you most excited to play against? Well, um, do you know, the big match wasn't actually fair break. It was the league match because we needed to get into the top four to progress to the finals. So we actually won that one. So that's where everybody was nervous. But then the match at fair break, you know, I'm still, this is months on now, I'm still not believing that we played against, you know, Sophia Dunkley, Catherine Silverbrand, Lauren Winfield-Hill. The names just kept coming, Deandra Dawson, Laura Wolver, Phoebe Litchfield. And, you know, when you're watching the Ashes this week, you're just like, yeah, we were playing against those women. And you know what I loved about that match as well was I overheard it was Sophia Dunkley and Alice Backer at the end of the game, you know, they were in genuine admiration of the skill level of the Divas. And, you know, that nobody knew what to expect because they'd never seen them play before. But, you know, oh, yeah, they're really good. I, I think we definitely held our own. Nice. And um, what's the ultimate dream to get out of this trip? The dream's already in progress just by the fact that it's happening. But also I love, you know, change on an individual level. Malcolm Gladwell has categories of people and I'm definitely a connector. So, you know, I'm putting in contact. Someone will say, I want to go and play in that country. I'm like, actually, I know someone there. So, you know, I'm sort of helping doing that. I'd also like, you know, this is in many ways an awareness raising exercise. So not just for women's cricket, but also associate cricket. So, for example... You know, if I can, I'm going to have obviously quite a lot of knowledge by the end of all of this and be able to draw some wide ranging conclusions. So it might be things like 
got into groundkeeping as I've been going along. This is amazing. So jealous. I'm so jealous. Georgia, you have to come. That's it. It's settled. We're going. Right. September. September could well, you could well have me in tow. You hear that? And the dog. Oh, I don't know. You have to get him a passport. Yeah, that's fine. And go somewhere they won't eat him. We know people. We can sort the passport out and then we'll be the bodyguard. We've got two women and a dog take on the world of women's cricket. Sounds great. Now that that is another podcast all in itself, isn't it? So, (laughs) yeah, so awareness raising, but also, you know, people are telling me, this is what they're telling me, like I'm somehow inspirational for doing this. And and if I am, I'm not saying I am, but if I am, I'm hoping that, you know, it's not everybody's dream to go around the world playing cricket, but just whatever anybody's dream is, just please just go and take some steps towards it because, you know, one life and all that. But I also want to write a book at the end of this. Well, I will be writing a book at the end of this. The book is writing itself as we're going along. So, you know, that will be good. And then on top of that, just I think I want to see whatever else happens. I'm sure there'll be some really unexpected positive outcomes that I can't predict, you know, because already there's just been, you know, three months in, there's just been so many, many things that I haven't been able to predict that have been wonderful that have come out of it. So I'm just looking forward to seeing what happens in that journey. And I just wanted to say something about the Indonesia under 19s that you mentioned. Their appearance in the World Cup has been having some ramifications in Europe, actually, where Norway, Norway um, is super keen now to use the example of Indonesia and Rwanda appearing at the Under-19 World Cup. And they want to, or at least the women's section so far want to, but they're talking with the Norway board about this. They have some new leaders there. They want to follow that example and get their Under-19 girls to be a representative at the World Cup and make that Norway team the first Norway team at the World Cup and the way that they're trying to do that already is by holding expert sessions on a Friday night come and try they you know they've got 20 girls at the moment but they know they need a base of 100 so they've got a six to seven year plan but you know it's like Thailand they were smart they knew that the fastest route into World Cups was via their women and you know doesn't it just make sense? So it's exciting to see that Norway are doing that. And then they're talking to other European countries saying, maybe follow that example. And I'm sure I'm sure other countries around the world might be doing that secretly. I don't know. But let's just see what happens. Oh, it's just amazing. I wish I'd come with you from the beginning and just made a documentary on the whole thing. We can go around again. That'll just oh. be the warm-up. The, the, yeah, it's more like the practice round and then we can get it all in place yeah. and then we'll go around again. Sounds perfect. Well, I don't want to keep you for any more of your day, but I just want our listeners to know where they can follow you on social media, please, so they can keep up with everything that's going on. And then we'll have to catch up again, either when I join you or when you finish it all and we can have a full roundup. So I'm very exclusive. I'm only available on Facebook and Instagram at the moment. And that's not because I'm a complete technophobe. Um, so Facebook and Instagram, Her World Cricket Tour, and then you can read the full thing in my book when it eventually comes out. And um, yes, that's 
where I am because you know I'm just so busy doing everything um uh, it's quite hard putting up content as it is so there we go amazing well thank you so much and it's been amazing to hear your story I could have talked all day but I'm sure you've got more interesting things to do than listen to me I don't have more interesting things to do than listen to what you're doing but there'll be more to catch up on later on I'm sure thank you so much and to all our listeners, if you want to keep up to date with everything that we're doing, you can follow us on Twitter and TikTok at WCricketChat, on Instagram at Women's Cricket Chat. And if you want to give us a like on Facebook, we are Women's Cricket Chat. If you'd like to give our personal Twitters a follow, then it's at GeorgiaHeath27, at CassieCoombs98, at MahikaVarshini, and I'm at AlexJaneGuerrero. This has been Women's Cricket Chat. Tune in next time. Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.